turn to our Bibles to 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 5, 2 Kings chapter 5, and we're continuing in our study in the book of 2 Kings, and this is where we're up to, and we're up to Naaman. Naaman is an important uh, person in the Bible. He's quoted of by Jesus himself, and we'll see that. And so here we have Naaman, a captain of Syria. So let's uh, take a look in our Bibles to to 2 Kings chapter 5, and we'll go down to verse 11 and read a couple verses here to start out. Uh, Here we have, the messenger had said to him to dip seven times in the Jordan, and verse 11, but Naaman was wroth and went away and said, behold, I thought. He will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar, rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, wouldest thou not have done it? How much rather then, when he saith to thee, wash and be clean? Then he went down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Let's bow in prayer, O Lord, we pray that thou bless these thoughts of thy word, bless thy word to our hearts. And, O Lord, help us to be the Christians that thou would have us to be. Give us discernment. In Jesus' name, amen. So here we have some missions of the Old Testament. And we have a mission to the captain of Syria, Naaman. We have that in chapter 5 and verse 1. He was captain of the host of the king of Syria. And the amillennialists, they will say that there weren't missions in the Old Testament, or not much, not enough and that now we're in the millennium because there are missions to the heathen, but there were missions in the Old Testament. And remember with Jonah going to Nineveh, and here we have Naaman, the captain of the host of Syria. He was a Syrian, and the gospel went forth to this Syrian, Naaman. And what's great about back in the Old Testament here in this history is we always have what God has to say about things, and we have the inspired account, and we know what's what and who's who directly from God. And you notice it says here that he was honorable. That's not just that people said he was honorable, but he was honorable. Here we have that right here in this Bible. And he reminds you of in the New Testament, we have the uh, centurion, And the centurion got saved, and he was honorable and loved the Jews, and the gospel went forth to him. And uh, here we have Naaman, captain of Syria. And then it says, because by him, by the captain of Syria, in verse 1, the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. That's interesting. God gave deliverance to a heathen nation, Uh, an ungodly nation that wasn't Christian, that wasn't of God, but God gave them deliverance by the leadership there of Naaman. 
And the Lord works in every way here in this world around us. And he's working even in the heathen nations. He's even working in the Russia-Ukraine war over there. He's working everywhere. And he was working here in this war that Syria had. And Syria was given deliverance, not of their own power, but because God gave them deliverance. The Lord had given them deliverance. Here we have with this inspired account. Well, he was a mighty man of valor, but he had a problem. His problem was that he was a leper. And we know in Bible times, that was one of the most dread diseases that you could have. And it was a very contagious disease. It was a disease where your skin would just kind of fall right off of you. And the people looked terrible that had leprosy. And so there was a whole system of laws in the Old Testament to take care of leprosy. And they were to be put off by themselves. They were to come near people crying out, unclean, unclean. And they had a whole system of being declared clean again with the priests. And it was a very dread disease here that Naaman had. He was a leper. And of course, in the Bible, leprosy is a picture of sin. And sin is very bad. And sometimes we don't really understand how bad it is, and it looks spiritually like leprosy. Our skin is falling off of us. Uh, You know, the chick tracks that I like, they have one uh, track called One Way, and it has the sin all over the people, and they got sores, and they look terrible with the sin, and they have to get healed. That's, That's the gospel all given in pictures with not much words. But anyway... Sin is like leprosy, and leprosy was terrible, and here Naaman had leprosy. And we have Naaman, he had a maid, a slave there, and she came out of Israel, a little maid. And once again in the Bible, slavery was all prevalent everywhere, and uh, most people had slaves, and most of the slaves came from warfare. And when they fought against another country, when the other country would uh, surrender or they would overcome the enemy, they would take a lot of the people's slaves. And that's where the slaves would come from. And here this poor little girl, she was taken captive. She was made a slave there with Naaman, but it seems like she had a pretty good lot there with Naaman, that they treated her well, it would seem here. And they even listened to her here. So she was one of the captives, just a little maid. And you see this little maid, this little girl, she is used mightily of God here in this story, in this account, with Naaman. And God can use just little children. He can use all kinds of people, slaves for his will. So we go down to verse 3. This little maid, she said to her mistress, Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria? For he would recover him of his leprosy. <clears throat> so here this little maid, she had heard of Elisha over there in Israel. Everybody had heard of Elisha there. And Elisha did miracles. Elisha healed people. And so this little maid, she said, Oh, you know, if Naaman would just go to Israel and go to this prophet, the prophet Elisha, he would heal him of his leprosy through the power of God. 
Now, normally, that would just be, you know, something that was said and fall away and nobody would remember it and nothing would happen. But here it took root, what she said, and it took root especially in the king, the king of Syria. He heard about this. He heard what this little maid said. And one went in and told him, verse 4, and so that the king of Syria, when he heard what this little maid said, he... Uh, believed it and thought it was worth a try anyway and he liked his captain Naaman and he wanted to do something for him he wanted to get him healed of his leprosy and this looked like a way to get him healed and so he says there in verse 4 go to, go and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel and so he's talking here to Naaman go I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. Back in these days, they had writing. They were smart and intelligent people, had writing and letters. And so he was going to send a letter to the king of Israel. And not only was he going to send a letter, he was going to send 10 talents of silver, 6,000 pieces of gold, and 10 changes of raiment. That was a big treasure he was going to send to Elisha as a present for healing Naaman of his leprosy. And that's a lot of money there. A talent in the Bible is a measure of weight, and it's about 100 pounds. So you have 10 talents of silver, 1,000 pounds of silver, and 6,000 pieces of gold. How much was Jesus sold for? 30 pieces of silver. What kind of a treasure is this? How much was Joseph sold for? He was sold for 20 pieces of silver. And here it was not pieces of silver, but hundreds of pounds of silver. A huge fortune that was sent to Elisha. And notice there, gold and silver have always had value and always will have value. And they talk about what should you do with your money and in inflation today. And one good place to put your money is in some gold and silver, is that they retain value. Although, right this minute, gold, the value has been going down, but eventually it'll go back up again. And uh, so we have 10 talents of silver, 6,000 pieces of gold. And verse 6, And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, now when this letter is coming to thee, I have sent Naaman, that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. Well, that was quite a letter, wasn't it? Uh, that you're supposed to recover this guy of his leprosy. Well, how did the king of Israel respond here? As we would think. Verse 7, And it came to pass when the king of Israel read the letter that he rent his clothes and said, Am I a God to kill and make alive that you sent this guy to me to recover him of his leprosy? And he rent his clothes. Why did he, he tore his clothes? Why would he tear his clothes? Well, back in Bible times, that was a sign of mourning, a sign of being upset about something. They would tear their clothes. That's what they would do when it came time when people died. And they were mourning the dead. They would tear their clothes. And here, the king of Israel tore his clothes. But you know, Elisha heard about this. And we have verse 8. When Elisha heard, 
He sent to the king of Israel, saying, Wherefore have you rent your clothes? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. All through the Bible, that's always the end result. When God sends his plagues upon the earth, what's going to happen? They're going to know that God is the Lord. And when this guy is healed of his leprosy, he shall know that there is a God in Israel and a prophet in Israel. And so Naaman, he was sent by the king of Israel over to see Elisha. Then you got verse 10. And Elisha sent a messenger to him. Now this is interesting here. Elisha didn't go out and meet him himself. This is a very important man. The king, the, the, the chairman of the joint chiefs of staff of the Syrians, he came. And Elisha didn't even go out and meet him himself. He sent a messenger out to him. And just simply told him, go over to the Jordan River Dip yourself seven times in the Jordan River, and you'll be healed. Well, that was kind of hard to believe, wasn't it? Just dip yourself seven times in the Jordan and be healed. But that's what he told him, sent that messenger. Well, Naaman's reaction was about what you would think. Verse 11, Naaman was wroth and went away and said, Behold, I thought. Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand. He didn't come out. And he will call the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Behold, I thought. You know, those are famous last words. Behold, I thought. I thought that he was going to do like the faith healers do today where they strike the people on the head and they fall down and they're healed. I thought he will strike the place and recover the leper. I thought this is how God should do things. And you know, a lot of times we have our own thinking about what we think God should do. And that's a lot different from what God actually does. I thought. I thought... There, Naaman thought it was going to be a certain way when he was healed. But it wasn't. God has his own way. His ways are as the heavens are higher than the earth. His ways are higher than our ways. And so I thought. Well, you know, why are people depressed? Why are people bitter? Well, one big reason is I thought. I thought I should have things better. I thought that things shouldn't be so difficult for me. I thought I shouldn't be sick. I thought this and I thought that. But God has his ways, and we have to rest in his ways. I thought. And, uh, you know, uh, that's one reason that people don't believe in Calvinism, in the fact of election. I thought that God wouldn't just elect people. I thought that I should have a part in my salvation. I thought all these things. I thought how God should be. And that's not with Calvinism and election. 
But Calvinism and election is what we have taught in the Bible, and that's how God is, no matter what thoughts we have. Well, we go down to verse 13. After uh, Naaman was very upset, thought he could go to the rivers of Syria, and he didn't have to go to the river of Israel. He was very angry. He was ready to go. But you know, he had some very wise servants there. The servants came to him, and they said, you know, if, if Elisha had told you to do some great thing to be healed, you would have done it. Why don't you just go dip yourself seven times in the Jordan River? And it's interesting here, the servants were very wise, and they talked to Naaman, and Naaman was wise enough to listen to the servants. In verse 14, So he went down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, and he was healed from his leprosy. Why did he have to dip seven times? Why not just one time? Well, God wanted to see his faith. God wanted to do what God wanted him to do. And it had to be seven times. Why is it that God doesn't do things the first time we pray about it? Why does God have us pray for things for years and years, over and over and over again, before he does it? Well, that's God's plan. And God wants us to rest in him. And so he dipped himself one time and he wasn't healed. Two times he wasn't healed. Five times and he wasn't healed. But after he did it seven times, he was healed. And sometimes we pray a thousand times and God doesn't do it, but a thousand and one times, God does it. And let's go back to Luke chapter 4. Look at the New Testament here for a second with Naaman. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4 and verse 24. And here Jesus. Jesus is in his ministry here in Luke chapter 4. Keep your finger back there in in 2 Kings. But Luke chapter 4 and verse 24, Jesus is speaking to the people in Nazareth, the place where he was raised. And they did not accept him. They did not accept Jesus. Because they had seen him living. They had seen him growing up. They had seen his brothers. They had seen his parents. They had seen everything for years. And they didn't think Jesus was any big deal. They didn't pay attention to the fact that he was perfect, that he didn't have any sin. But they didn't think Jesus was anything. And Jesus had something to say about that. Verse 24 of Luke chapter 4. And he said, Verily I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you of a truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the lands. But unto none of them was Elijah sent, save unto Sarepta, a city of Zidon, unto a woman that was a widow. So... The heavens were shut for three and a half years with Elijah. And Elijah didn't go to anybody in Israel. He went to a Zidonian woman, a foreign woman outside of Israel, and went to stay with her and to help her. And he was sent to outside of Israel. It was a missionary thing here with Elijah. 
And then we get to Naaman in verse 27. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, saving Naaman the Syrian. So here we have that account of Naaman back in 2 Kings. It's quoted by Jesus himself here in the New Testament in Luke chapter 4. And he says that in Israel there were many lepers in this time, but none of them was healed by Elisha, but this foreign leper, this guy from Syria, Naaman the Syrian. Here God was concerned with other nations even back in the Old Testament. And that's an illustration of the fact that a prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and in his own house. And Jesus was not accepted in Nazareth, in his own country. He had to go to other countries. And we have Elijah and Elisha. They went to other countries as well, to Syria and to Zidon. Let's go back to 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 5. And we pick up with verse 15. And he returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and came and stood before him. And he said, Behold, now I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. Now therefore I pray thee, take a blessing of thy servant. But he said, as the Lord, this is Elisha speaking, but he said, as the Lord liveth before whom I stand, I will receive none. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. And Naaman said, shall there not then, I pray thee, be given to thy servant two mules burden of earth? For thy servant will henceforth offer neither burnt offering nor sacrifice unto other gods, but unto the Lord. In this thing the Lord pardon my servant, that when my master goeth into the house of Rimmon to worship there, and he leaneth on my hand, and I bow myself in the house of Rimmon, when I bow down myself in the house of Rimmon, the Lord pardon my servant in this thing, in this thing. And he said unto him, Go in peace. So he departed from him a little way. Well, so, after Naaman was cured, what did he know? Well, he knew that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. And when God sends his plagues upon the earth in the book of Revelation, what will people know? They'll know that there is a God. And that God is in heaven. And Naaman came to that conclusion as well. Well, you know, Naaman was very... And of course, he gets saved right here, I believe. Right here. When he gets cured of his leprosy, God saves his soul. He knows that God is the Lord. And he wants to worship God as the Lord, the Syrian. He comes to the Lord. And so he's grateful. He's grateful not only to the Lord, but he's grateful to Elisha. And so what do you suppose he does? Well, he comes to Elisha and wants to give him a reward. He wants to give him a bunch of things. He wants to give him those uh, 6,000 pieces of gold, the 10 talents of silver, the 10 changes of raiment. He wants to give him all of that. 
to show his appreciation, but does Naaman accept it? No, he doesn't. He says, as the Lord liveth, I will receive none. And he kept on urging him to take it, but he wouldn't take it. You know, oftentimes that's a good thing to do when we help other people. You know, sometimes in the past I've helped people that were broken down on the side of the road or broken or different helping of people, and then they want to give you something. They ask, can I give you something for this? And usually it's better not to take it. And because that shows that you're not doing it for the reward, for the money, for anything, you're doing it as unto the Lord. And it's good, and that's what Elisha was showing right here, that he was doing it as unto the Lord. But then we get to the end of this account here. Here we have Naaman, he wants to have six two mules burden of earth. I guess he wants to take that home and pray on top of that earth, remembering Israel, I don't know. And he wants to offer no burnt offering or sacrifice unto other gods, but unto the Lord. He got saved. But it's interesting what he says at the end here. He says that as the captain of the host of Syria, he has a duty that he generally has to perform. And he has to go in with the king of Syria into the house of Rimmon. Rimmon was their god, the god of Syria. And so the king would go into the house of Rimmon, into the heathen temple, and offer up sacrifices. And Naaman was expected to go with him and have the king lean on him as he went into the temple to offer up these heathen sacrifices. And... Naaman was expected to bow himself when he went into the temple of this heathen god. Now, Naaman had just got saved, and Naaman immediately is convicted about this. He's convicted about going into the heathen temple and going in with the king and offer up these sacrifices. And you know, We all know that that is wrong, to go into the heathen temple, to bow yourself, to offer up heathen sacrifices, to to be involved in that. We know that's wrong. But what did Elisha say when Naaman asked uh, him about this? He said, the Lord pardon my servant in going to bow down myself in the house of Rimmon, and to be involved in those heathen sacrifices. What did Elisha answer? He said unto him, No, you should never go in there. Don't do it. Don't do it at all. No, he didn't say that. What did he say? He said, Go in peace. And so here we come to something I want to bring as a lesson here. And that's with our... Uh, scripture reading this our uh, call to worship this morning. Our call to worship was teaching must be precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. In fact, let's go back to Isaiah chapter 28. Isaiah chapter 28 and verse 9. And here's where we get this scripture from about here a little and there a little. 
Isaiah 28 and verse 9. Whom shall he teach knowledge, and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breasts. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak unto this people. To whom he said, This is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. But the word of the Lord was unto them precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little, that they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and taken. So how should we teach in the church? I'm a firm believer in a little, here a little, and there a little. Line upon line, precept upon precept. You can't give people too much at a time. They need to digest the line upon line, the precept upon precept. And going back here to verse 9, he's talking about people that are weaned from the milk. Well, how do we get weaned from the milk to have the meat of the word? By being taught line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little. And then he goes on here to talk about that the people would not hear. They were being taught line upon line, precept upon precept. They would not hear. And then judgment is pronounced upon them. And it says, even with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak unto this people. But they won't hear. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear the line upon line, precept upon precept. And so we need to try to bring people along gently as we teach them the things of the Lord. Bring them along. We don't want to leave them in their sin, but we don't want to give them too much at a time. And so that's what Elisha did with Naaman. He didn't give him too much at a time. Here, Naaman had had his teaching for that day. He had come to the Lord and been saved, and he already had some conviction about going into the house of Rimmon. And so Elisha decided, through the discernment that the Lord gave him, that it wasn't time to put too much upon Naaman that day. And it would be little, here a little and there a little. And so he had confidence that the Lord would lead Naaman, that the Lord would lead him away from that temple of Rimmon, one way or another, and that he would grow in the Lord, here a little, there a little. You know, I was talking this morning about John Calvin, and John Calvin, he, uh, as I said, he worked himself to death, really, in his teaching and preaching there, and one reason he worked himself to death was he would preach a sermon every day to his people in his church. Every day. And I thought about that, and you know, that's a little bit too much for people to, to digest. Is that they need to have a little bit of time to digest it. It needs to be here a little, there a little. Line upon line, precept upon precept. And that's how God teaches us. And hopefully when we come to church each time, we get a little bit of a line. 
we get a little bit of a precept. We go home, we digest it. Next time we come to church, next time we study our Bible, we get another line. We get another precept. And we grow in the things of the Lord. And of course, as we get those line upon line and precept upon precept, we have to put it into practice in our lives. It's just like we were studying about Proverbs this morning. Well, we've studied all those things about how we should live, the divine plan for how to live in Proverbs. But you know, we need to go out and put that into practice in our lives. And that's how we grow in the things of the Lord. And if a person doesn't put it into practice, they'll never grow. But what they need to do is get line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. And you know, here it pronounces great judgment upon the people that have been taught line upon line, precept upon precept. In verse 13, they may go, fall backward, be broken, snared, and taken. And you know, after we've been taught line upon line, precept upon precept, and then we reject it, well, then there's greater judgment upon us. We're more accountable for it. So let us seek to grow in the things of the Lord. Help us seek, to, let us seek to learn line upon line, precept upon precept, just like Naaman. Naaman needed to learn later on more and more as he grew in his Christian life. And he would learn that he shouldn't go into the house of Rimmon. Let's bow in prayer. O Lord, we pray that thou would bless these thoughts to our hearts. And O Lord, help us to always be willing to study the things of thee, to study thy word, to come to church, to learn line upon line, precept upon precept. In Jesus' name, amen.